This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 228, and we are recording on April 21st. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And Amanda and I just spent like the last 10 minutes airing our quarantine feels at each other. (laughs) We did. We We tried to get them out of our system. But wait, Amanda, I have a weird reading quarantine thing. Oh, tell me. To tell you. Yes. So my brain is doing a new thing now. Previously, it was very hard to read, and when I could read, it was basically only, like, space opera or fantasy that I could read. Mm-hmm. But now, I my brain has, like, flip-flopped entirely, and I kind of blame you because it started with Spirit Run by Noe Alvarez. Yeah. Now, all my brain wants is people, like, struggling to do a thing in nature. Like, that's Ooh. it. That's all my brain will do. So, you know, I picked up, like, three books this week and couldn't stick with any of them except for one that's, like, an addiction recovery memoir set in the Orkneys. Like, that's... <laughs> That's it. The Outrun. Like, that's all my... I can't read anything else. It's so bizarre. Yep. (laughs) That is bizarre. I don't... Like, I just don't even know, like, what's going on in there. Like, go home, brain. You're drunk. But, like, this is where we're at. So, what about you? What's your reading brain doing? Oh, I am doing, like, true crime and also murder mysteries. What I want to read about right now is Evil with a Face and, like, Death that I'm familiar with. And not, like, faceless viral evil and pandemic death. I want to read about people dying in ways I'm used to. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That's, like, dark but but real. Yeah. Super weird. It's super weird. I think it's because I was reading the Women's Prize long list, which was really great timing Mm -hmm. right now because it was, like, all of these problems are real and horrible that all these books are about but are like things that I don't care about right now but it reminded me that like life exists you know and like normal problems exist outside of this ridiculous pandemic and so I think that just led me down this like what about normal food what about normal dying and that's where I am now normal dying well I guess murder is not really normal Normal dying dying. (laughs) you know here we are yep (laughs) this is what it looks like (laughs) all right Well, if you're new to the show, welcome. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) We are, as we said at the top, a reading recommendation show where you write in and ask us what you should read next or perhaps what your book club should read, what you should get for a friend or a relative. Any and all of these things, we'll do our best to find you a great next read. And you can send in those questions either via email, getbooked at bookriot.com, or you can drop them into the form that's on the site for every episode. There are show notes, and that's where the form lives. And if you have a timely question, you want a response back by a certain date, we will do our best. But if you could put time sensitive either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, plus the date you're looking for a response by, that would help us immensely. And if we don't think we're going to get to that on air, we might shoot you an email response. So keep an eye out for those. 
We have tons of feedback today. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Our first bit of feedback is from Marty, who is responding to Passant's question for a platonic relationship. Um, Marty recommends A Man Called Ove by Frederick Bachman, which is about love between neighbors, and The Housekeeper and the Professor by Yoko Ogawa, which is about love between a professor, his housekeeper, and her son. And then Kim also has feedback for Passant, Last Days of Summer by Steve Kluger, about a boy in New York in the 1940s who sets his sight on the third baseman for the New York Giants <laughs> as his role model. Oh, that's sweet. Kelly has a recommendation for the person looking for fantasy without sexism, racism, or homophobia. Kelly recommends The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Nicole recommends for Agnes, who is looking for something like The Passage, The Road to Nowhere series by Meg Ellison. The first book is The Book of the Unnamed Midwife. I love that book. That's a great one for that. Yeah. And Elizabeth also has a recommendation for Agnes and recommends World War Z by Max Brooks, uh, which is a really interesting zombie apocalypse read. Good job, y'all. Okay. Our first question, I'm going to read it, and then we'll do a sponsor, and we will start recommending. So our first question is from Jennifer, who says, I know you're receiving a lot of requests about quarantine reading, but this one is a bit different. My name is Jenny, and I'm a state unemployment employee. We're working 60-plus hours per week, and we're still going into the office every day. I'm struggling with relaxing during my meager downtime. I'm looking for something funny to read, or a fun romance, or even a chill, cozy mystery. As far as funny books go, my humor is more dry, so I can be picky and I don't like gross humor at all. Romance, I I like things that don't really have sex on the page, but that's not a real deal breaker. This is my favorite part. Please don't recommend Red, White, and Royal Blue. I did not enjoy it. It just wasn't for me. I, like, DM'd Amanda when I saw this request. I was like, are you okay, Amanda? She pains me. My heart is pained. (laughs) Listen, one book can't be for everybody. That's just not a thing. I don't agree, but that's fine. (laughs) All right. So before we get into our recommendations, let us do a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her data, 
dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so first of all, Jenny, thank you for what you're doing. That is mm-hmm. 100% essential work. And I know that lots of people are super grateful for the work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Amanda, what do you have? I picked a really fun uh, and kind of silly romance that is not too far on the steaminess scale. So uh, it's called To Have and to Hoax. It's by Martha Waters. And unlike Red, White, and Royal Blue, this is a historical. So it takes place during the Regency era in England. And this is just about a a married couple pranking each other for like 300 pages. (laughs) I was obsessed with it. It's so much fun. So Lady Violet and Lord James Audley have met. uh, They fall in love. They get married. And it's a bit of a scandal because like they're caught on a balcony when the first night that they meet, they're caught on a balcony, like standing a little close. So of course, they immediately have to get married because Regency logic. I don't know. But in reality, they really did like each other quite a bit upon first meeting. And so their marriage, like they're both fine with having been like scandalized to the altar, basically. So they spend a couple of years very happy together. And then they have this huge fight four years before the book opens and stop talking. So when the book opens, they have not really spoken to each other for four years. They've been living in the same house, going about their social life and like doing marital stuff that they have to do as aristocrats, but they are not having any kind of meaningful relationship. And so one day (laughs) at the beginning of the book, Violet gets a letter that her husband has been thrown from a horse. His family owns a really successful stable out in the country, and he spends a lot of time out there, which was a part of what their fight was about. And so she gets this letter that he's been thrown from a horse, has been rendered unconscious, and like, just FYI, your husband is real sick. And so she drops everything and rushes out to the country to be with him. And when she gets there, he's fine. And <laughs> Like, no one has told him that, like, hey, BT Dubs, since you were knocked out cold, we we sent a letter to your wife and she's on your way. So she just, like, shows up and gets really mad at him for inconveniencing her and, like, scaring her in that terrible way. And so to get back at him, she decides she's going to pretend to have tuberculosis. <laughs> and wow. So she has, yes. So she has to, like, concoct this elaborate plot involving all of her friends. She gets a, an actor friend of hers to, like, pretend to be a doctor. Um, and so... He, like, kind of goes along with it in order to be able to prank her back. And it's, like, just this back and forth. I mean, I call them pranks because that's what they are. They're so childish and goofy and, like, you can see and transparent. Um, And it's so obvious that they're doing it. Like, they're doing it for attention. They're trying to get each other's attention because they still very much have feelings for each other. They just, for reasons that, you know, you get into in the book, have not been able to get past this obstacle of this one huge blowout fight that they had um, years ago. So they're, like... The pranks escalate in ridiculousness until they eventually have to, like, speak to each other with their mouth words, which, as we all know, is a thing I need to happen in a romance. Like, just say the frickin' thing. Um, and they're friends. I think the reason why I could tolerate, like, 300 pages of people not saying the thing is because they're friends. All the side characters are forever like, why don't you just talk to her? Like, what <laughs> is wrong with you? Please just go say words to your husband. And they're like, no, I can't. I shan't. They're like, ugh. And so the book is very much also about, like, their their friends being just annoyed forever <laughs> with the two of them. It's so good. So that's To Have and To Hoax by Martha Waters. That sounds delightful. It is. It is. 
I settled on a, a crime, as it were, cozy-ish, dry humor crime for you. I picked An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston, translated by Marlene Dellergy. And I, I picked this because I can only imagine how frustrating some of your days must be. And I was like, maybe a little old lady who just like kills anybody who stands in her way might feel therapeutic or cathartic to you, because that's what this book is. It's about an 88-year-old old woman named Maud who lives in Sweden and has no family. All of her family has died. She has no friends. She's a total loner. She lives in this apartment building rent-free because of, like, reasons. She's, you know, been deeded her apartment until basically she dies. And she just is she's a total psychopath. She is. She's like a little old lady psychopath who's just like, if you cross her, you will not live very much longer. That's just what it is. So, like, the annoying neighbor downstairs who's trying to steal her apartment or, like, an antique dealer or, you know, a man who's abusing his wife. Like, she is just, like, a chaotic, cranky murderous. It's amazing. <laughs> it's very... I th- I do think it's very cathartic. And and they're sort of... It's more of, like, a story collection than a straight-up novel. It doesn't have, like, a beginning-to-end arc. Um, It's just, like... Here's a murder. Here's a murder. Here's a murder. It's very so you can pick it up and put it down depending on how much time you have. It's real fun and yeah, and it is a very dry humor like 100%. So again, that's an elderly lady is up to no good by Helen Turston translated by Marlene Dellergy. Okay, our next question is from Jen, who says, I'm writing because I need a little help with a birthday gift for my daughter. She'll be 11 on April 30th, and I've been looking forward to hosting a Harry Potter-themed sleepover with her. Obviously, that would not be happening. I would like to get her a book or several on her birthday to help fill the hours and distract her. She has, she's an advanced reader and reads widely, but lately has been wanting to read some graphic novels or manga. She has enjoyed a manga of Pride and Prejudice and another of Emma, as well as Zeta and the Space Girl series, the graphic novels of the Babysitter's Club, and everything Raina Telgmeier has ever done. <laughs> she also loves Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl, and I just ordered the first trade of Lumberjanes. We don't really limit what she reads, but she chooses her she chooses for herself what she's comfortable with. Violence or Peril isn't a deal breaker. However, she picked up a manga shelved in our library's YA section that featured some nudity and she was not a fan. Can you help me find some graphic novels, manga, or comics that might appeal to her and brighten up her birthday? Okay. Um, oh, there's another relevant point here where she says she likes the romance subplots of Hunger Games uh, and she's really grooving on the identity of being a self-described nerdy girl right now. Okay, so I picked Jonesy by Sam Humphreys and illustrated by Caitlin Rose Boyle. Um, Jonesy Volume 1 is just called Volume 1. <laughs> and this is very much about a self-described kind of nerdy girl. Jonesy is a, she calls herself a cool dork, which I think is like, same? Like, also same. I'm 35, <laughs> but I'm also a cool dork. Um, and she makes zines and like really loves anime. She loves riot girl bands. Um, she's like, is it a bunch of different anime fandoms? She's very much a cool dork. Bonus, she has a secret power, which is that she can make people fall in love, not just with other people, but with like objects, which is super fun. And also ideas, which is like a genius kind of thing. Yeah. The only uh, caveat is that it doesn't work on herself. So like she cannot make herself fall in love with anything or make anyone fall in love with her. So it only works on, you know, yeah. She also has, like, a single dad who, in the course of the book, like, goes on a date and is super nervous and cute about it. And all of these just shenanigans start happening because, you know, like, a, the, a prom is coming or a dance. I don't remember if it's prom, but a dance is coming. And her um, her friends are 
having lots of angsty feelings about asking people out to the dance and all this kind of stuff. And she like is very not into it. Like she's too cool and dorky to care about dances, but maybe she does care a little bit, but not a lot. Stop looking at me like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so she starts using her powers in various and sundry ways throughout the book and like just shenanigans. It's a super, super fun. Also, her grandmother is hilarious and a little bit violent. I don't know why this is like the violent old lady show, um, but <laughs> in like a really pleasingly funny way. So I think that an 11 year old who is like into a little bit of romance and like cool girl dork shenanigans will be very into Jonesy. So that's Jonesy Volume 1 by Sam Humphreys. Yeah, I also fixated on the nerdy science loving girl part of this question and that she loved Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. So my recommendation is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 1 BFF by Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, illustrated by Natasha Bustos. And Reader and Montclair are a team that I have really loved. They also worked on Rocket Girl, which, side note, might be a good one as well. But right now I'm focusing on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, or at least I'm going to try. And this is an amazing series in the same universe as Ms. Marvel. Lunella Lafayette is the hero of this. She is like nine, I want to say, and she's a super genius. She is a young African-American girl. She lives in Brooklyn, New York City-esque. And she is like kind of, she's not, you know, she's nine and she's a super genius. So she doesn't really have a lot of friends at school. She's like getting in fights with her teachers because they're wrong. And and also she has a latent inhuman gene. She knows that she does. And she's really worried about like, what's going to happen to her? Is she going to manifest weird powers? Like, are people going to shun her even more than they already do? And then she finds a piece of Cree technology and uses it in what she thinks is going to be a good way and actually summons like a giant red T-Rex and some evil cavemen from the prehistoric era. And surprise, she and the T-Rex become best friends because amazing and proceed to have lots of adventures and try to stop the bad guys. And it's so much fun. Lunella is such a sweet, lovely, cranky nerd girl. And she has a dinosaur best friend. Like, I don't even know what else to tell you. It's it's fantastic. It's so much fun. And yeah, it's just the art is beautiful. She's an amazing character. It's just all of the good things. So again, that's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 1 BFF. And uh, like I said, Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair are the writing team. And they also worked on a non-Marvel comic called Rocket Girl that is like a space age jetpack wearing teen detective story that might be good for you as well okay next question is from ew who says i've recently read little fires everywhere by celeste ng and normal people by sally rooney and i fell in love with the complex dynamics between characters power shifts and especially the upending of a seemingly pristine wealthy veneer in little fires everywhere i loved how there was the seemingly perfect plan community of shaker heights and the equally perfect richardson family but as the plot develops and you dive deeper into the character psyche and background you realize that it's all hanging on by just a thread. A similar concept happens in normal people. I would love to find another book that touches on the same idea, the uncovering of a seemingly perfect, wealthy, and beautiful setting, life, person, or family. Other books I've enjoyed, The Mother's Brat by Britt Bennett, Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, and The Learning Curve by Mandy Berman. Okay, I'm just going to keep talking. I This, like, rich people problems slash family stories is 100% Rebecca's wheelhouse. So I went to her mm. for a recommendation. 
And she said that Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty by Ramona Asabel would be a great match for you. And from the description, it does 100% seem correct. It takes place on Labor Day and Martha's Vineyard in the late 1970s, which like already, this is perfect. <laughs> and the family is getting together at the beach house. Um, Fern and Edgar are married with three children. They're paying for, they're preparing rather for a big family celebration. And then they find out that there's no more money. Fern's recently deceased parents, like their estate has gone bankrupt, and that's where all of their income has come from this entire time, despite their like professed anti-money ideals. They've been living high on the hog, and now everything is unraveling. And the children are like left alone with no guardian for three days. Uh, and you know, rounded up by their nine-year-old sister Cricket. And while the adults are on these like weird adventures to try to figure out like what they're going to do with their lives. And it just sounds like it will absolutely be in your wheelhouse. So again, that's Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty by Ramona Ossible. Okay, I picked Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Broadister Ackner, which um, was nominated for the National Book Award last year and was long listed for the Women's Prize. Might be shortlisted. We'll find out in like three hours. Not that I'm counting. I'm <laughs> counting. I love the Women's Prize. I love it. And the shortlist comes out this afternoon. So Fleischman is in Trouble is about Toby Fleischman, obviously, who is, I think, in his mid-40s. He's a doctor in Manhattan and is pretty well, like, he's doing fine. You know, like, he's fine. He's a doctor in Manhattan. He's doing fine. Um, And his wife is a very high-powered, she's in PR. She owns her own firm. She makes 10 times the amount of money that he makes. And so they have a very comfortable life. And when the book opens, they have recently split up. And he, Toby, tells his perspective, his, like, side of the story, basically, from the first half of the book. It's actually told through the voice of one of his female friends. It's a really interesting narrative structure, but anyway, that's not relevant. And so you see how, from Toby's perspective, his marriage unraveled, how his wife was very angry and a social climber, um, and how he did not want to do, like, didn't want to send his kids to boarding school, didn't want to, like, buy a house in the Hamptons, didn't want to do any of that nonsense, just wanted to, like, be a doctor in New York where he grew up and have a small apartment and, like, raise his family and be happy, whereas his wife was constantly pushing for him to leave treating patients and instead get into like administration or go work for a big corporation so that he could make more money, like very much putting pressure on him to be more of like a man, I guess. Um, And so once they split up, uh, he has taken his two kids, their two kids uh, for his weekend that he has them. And then when he goes to like return the children to their mother for her time to have custody, she's gone and she stays gone, like has disappeared for two or three weeks, I think, in the period of uh, time that the book takes place. And so he has to kind of, like, figure out where she went and, like, hide it from his children so they don't freak out because they're already having a hard time. And then in the second half of the book, it does that kind of Fates and Furies Lauren Groff thing where you get the perspective of his wife and how the narrative that Toby is telling himself about who he is, a very put-upon and victimized white man in Manhattan with a lot of money, you know, is maybe kind of, like, completely and totally BS. Uh, And how his wife's social climbing has has like has reasons you know and so you're getting the story of this very wealthy seemingly put together on the rise family in new york and how it just all completely fell apart and has been like was falling apart maybe from the very beginning like maybe from the moment they met and the reasons why they got together didn't have anything to do with like love (laughs) but were about using the other person as a band-aid for like their emotional trauma from childhood So I really love this book. It's a very controversial, as women's prize picks often are, very controversial book because it is a book that's 50% about like the self-pitying whining of a white man in his 40s, like 
that interesting. I actually think it is. Like, I think that she has pulled this off. Um, and that is, kind of, you know, like, I don't read a lot of books about, like, white dudes being sad about themselves. I just don't. Uh, but I really love this, probably because, like, she doesn't let him get away with it. There's a lot of interrogation of both people in this marriage that they are, like, required to eventually do. And he's not a likable character, but neither is his wife. I don't know. I just thought it was really, really interesting. Like, they're interesting characters. They're not likable characters, as people in these rich people problem books like tend to be. So, Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Broadister Ackner. Um, our next question is from Heather, who says, I'm looking for a light read to recommend to a friend as a distraction. She recently had to cancel her wedding because of COVID and could use some fluff, but maybe not anything with too much of a love celebration HEA. Typically, she reads more nonfiction, David Sedaris is a favorite, or literary fiction with her book club. But I'd like to give her the book equivalent of marathoning The Great British Bake Off or Project Runway. Any suggestions? Okay, Jen, what you got? So I am recommending Naturally Tan by Tan France, which <laughs> is a delight and I do think is the book equivalent of one of those like feel-good reality shows that has occasional drama, as in the case of Project Runway, like way more dramatic than Great British Bake Off, but still leaves you like with all of the good feelings and I will say this book includes a discussion of racism, depression, and suicidal ideation because Tan France has been through some stuff, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. But the way that he discusses it is very of a in it's in context of his life. It's very like these are just the facts and realities of my life and like this is what I've overcome. And then also here is like my recommendation for your homemade face mask made out of yogurt or like, you know, here's like my thoughts on jeans or whatever. Like he he's doing all of it. He's doing he's really being real about the good and the bad parts of his life. And like, you know, when they have those great moments in the Great British Bake Off where like a character will like share some intimate piece of themselves and you immediately start crying. Like, that's what mm -hmm. it's like. So you have this like cathartic moment of, you know, sharing in those moments with the character. And then there's the heartwarming stuff and the happy stuff as well. And I... Not going to lie, I picked this memoir up thinking it would just be fun. I was not prepared for how good it is, how natural of a storyteller he is, how much I enjoyed all of the different parts of it. Tan France is amazing. And this book is just so great. And it is absolutely a kind of escape. And yeah, I just can't, I can't, like, can't recommend it highly enough. I loved it so much. So again, that's Naturally Tan. Get it? Get it? By Tan France. <laughs> I have to admit, I was not expecting the pun title to come from Tan Right? France, but it's good. He's like a lot, I don't know, like sillier than I think he puts off. You know, it's interesting, actually. You do, he talks about the casting of mm. Queer Eye and it's, it's amazing, first of all, like his first impressions of the other men who eventually became the hosts are hilarious and you know you do see a side of him that you don't really see on the show and he, he is just like he's got a very dry sense of humor that I don't think he gets mm -hmm. to exercise that much on the show and also though side note he has been cooking with people from the Great British Bake Off on his Instagram and he does one with Nadia that was just like the best thing I've I've seen on Instagram ever, probably. So y'all, I will leave a link in the show notes to that because it's the best. Okay. I latched on a bit to the David Sedaris part of your question. So I picked The Clancy's of Queens by Tara Clancy, which is a memoir of growing up in working class Queens, obviously, which is... Uh, 
it's just the maybe the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. Also, if your friend can do audiobooks, uh, Tara Clancy reads this audiobook. Her delivery is amazing. It is so good. Her accent is amazing. Her accent. Ugh, I could just melt. Like, I want Tara Clancy to adopt me. That, <laughs> could you, can I just, like, live with you? And you could like, tell me how to live. I want you to tell me how to live. Anyway, so Tara is a fifth-generation New Yorker. She is raised in the weirdest way possible. So she's from Queens, right? And, like, her dad, I think if I remember right, he's a cop. And they live in a converted boat shed in, like, working-class Queens. And this is mostly where she grows up. Except her her mother gets... They, her parents split up. And her mother gets remarried or, like, starts dating very seriously or whatever. Like, a really, really wealthy dude who has this, like, sprawling house out in the Hamptons. So every other weekend, you know, when she goes to, like, have her time with her mom, she's spending time... She's splitting her time between these, like croquet matches in the Hamptons and a converted boat shed with her cop dad in Queens and also the bar where her dad hangs out all the time after work she goes there and like is just with him most of the time and like her grandparents are complete characters and have like a weird not weird that's not what I mean have a I don't even know how to describe it just kind of it's a little bizarre like old person commune she just like bounces <laughs> back and forth between her grandparents house and their neighbors who she's not related to but who like feed her all the same she's just a completely feral kid and grows up uh, to be- eventually become a bartender she's like what, like a, one of the founding members of the moth mm-hmm. she's an amazing storyteller um oh and she's also there's a, she has to cut she comes out to her dad eventually and there's a little bit about that also it's such a good memoir but she tells stories obviously is like a founding person of the moth she knows how to tell a story but she weaves these characters so that i think like one of the dangers of telling stories about the working class is they can often be very like cliched or stereotypical and she manages to thread the needle of making them a little bit like funny without like she's making fun in a loving way you know that thing where like you can make fun of your sister but if somebody else makes fun of your sister you're gonna knock their teeth into the back of their mouth it's that kind of thing like i uh, she just handles it with such like grace and dignity and it's so funny it's just great such a good distraction so that's the clancy's of queens by terry clancy all right let's take another sponsor break Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. 
Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. And now our next question is from Rose, who says, I recently read a couple of new adult college romance books. For the first time in a while, I found characters that I can identify with. I'm also in my early 20s in college and doubting my career path. The problem is that in these books, boys and relationships are always the answers to their problems. Do you know of any books with this kind of setting without the relationship being the answer to everything? I really dislike YA and would prefer the characters to be more mature. All right. I am recommending Chemistry by Waka Wang, who, uh, oh, this comes with a trigger warning for like very bad parents in a lot of ways. They're just not great. So the main character of this book, who is never named, if I recall correctly, it's a it's an anonymous narrator. She is working on her PhD in chemistry. She is Chinese-American. Her parents are like very classic immigrant parents. They put a lot of pressure on her to succeed in ways that they recognize as success. And she has like never quite measuring up. She has an amazing boyfriend at the opening of the book who has just proposed to her. But like he's actually part of the problem. He's sort of too perfect in a weird way and she just is so <laughs> uncomfortable in that relationship and it it she knows that this is you know what everybody thinks is correct and ideal in a romantic relationship but she just can't feel comfortable in it so she's like leaving this relationship that is seemingly seemingly perfect she her phd is going nowhere her parents are putting a lot of pressure on her. She can't convey to them what it is that she actually wants to do with their life because she they would not accept it. And she just is basically like feeling like she's falling apart. She does not know what she's going to do with herself or how to be a person. And the book is her like figuring that stuff out. And it is so relatable. It is so well done. It is very sharply funny, um, but also, like I said, hits you uh, in the gut with, you know, the way that her relationship with her parents is so difficult and complicated, even though there is also, of course, a lot of love there. But like, ooh, it's rough. So, yeah, it's it's just I really think that... This digs into a lot of questions that you will find extremely relatable. So again, that's Chemistry by Weka Wang. Okay, I picked Normal People by Sally Rooney, which is maybe the most divisive book in recent memory <laughs> that I've seen people... Like, the reactions to this are, are so love it or hate it, or like, uh, it's just really interesting. So I've seen a lot of people call this a romance. I've seen a lot of people call this new adult. I don't think it's either. It's certainly not a romance novel. Let me just clear that up right now. Um, but the characters, I think you could classify it as new adult. But when it opens, they're in high school. And Connell and Marianne are the are their names. Connell is a really popular guy. He's like, he plays soccer, football, whatever they call it over there. He plays the thing with the ball in the feet. Um, and is very well adjusted um, and is very like, you know, just a, like a dude. He's a dude in school. Everybody likes him. He's one of those. I would say All-American, but it doesn't play, take place in America. So the British version of All-American. And Marianne is wealthy, 
but she's very much an out an outsider. Um, she is emotionally abused at home and does not have friends. And so she goes to school and I she's she's bullied, but she's also like very standoffish. And that's one of the reasons that she's bullied. And so Connell's mother works for Marianne's family. He is a house she is the housekeeper for Marianne's family. So every day after school, when Connell goes to pick up his mom, he is there in Marianne's house. And over time, they develop a romantic relationship. They eventually start sleeping together, but they're not telling anyone about this. And they have this really deep and intense connection to each other in that way that, you know, when you're a teenager and everything feels so important and monumental, and they definitely feel that we toward each other, but neither of them are willing to tell anyone that they're sleeping together for their own different, but also kind of the same reasons. We're like, it's a little embarrassing, but it's a little embarrassing for each of them for different reasons. And so eventually, Connell becomes overcome with you know, like fear that his friends are going to find out. So he ends the relationship. Jump to college, right? Like a year later, they have gone to Trinity College off in Dublin and their roles are completely reversed. Connell was very popular in high school, but he was working class. And now he comes to this like super fancy school, doesn't know anybody. Marianne is now super popular because she's in these like very esoteric, nerdy, brainy spaces, which is her where she excels. Um, And she, you know, is wealthy. So that is like a, you're an automatic success at college in a lot of ways when you go to school and are wealthy. And so their roles are reversed. And then they just kind of circle around each other, <laughs> like two um, traumatized people circling a drain, their relationship, <laughs> for years. And they come together, they break up, they see other people, and they just do this this like dance. And it's very much not a book where their relationship solves anything. They, they are not good for each other in a lot of ways. Marianne, especially with her history of emotional abuse, starts seeking out romantic entanglements to kind of like fix that but she it, it, it never works like there, there's no point at which connell fixes her or which she fixes him like they are they're both going through life like magnets drawn to each other come hell or hot water like for good or for ill so i think that that will scratch the stitch of like that intensity uh that college students can have that like doubt about like what am i doing with myself i'm 12 years old and now have to know what i'm supposed to do with my entire life you know like all of that stuff that you feel in college um, without having a dude come and like fix marianne's heart because that's certainly not what happens so that's normal people by sally rooney so our next question is from pragna who says i discovered your show three months back i recently read the book night boat to tangier more than the plot i love the way the book is written long winding conversations between two old friends I also love the Before Sunrise movie series for the conversation between the leads. I would love to read more books of this type. Okay, Jen, what you got? I had to get some help with this because Amanda took a recommendation that I would have done. (laughs) And I wanted something new. There were some things that we've recommended before, but uh, I do try, you know, to bring you new stuff on occasion. Uh, So (laughs) Jessica recommended Outline by Rachel Cusk, which when I went looking for it, I immediately put it on hold at my library. I'm waiting for my digital copy because it sounds perfect and it sounds so interesting. It is about a uh, writer who goes to Athens in the summer to teach a writing course and she becomes like basically just as listening to other people tell her the stories of their lives. So like starting on the flight out, you know, the passenger sitting next to her tells her about how much he loves boats and then about his failed marriages. And then, you know, the students that she's working with tell their stories and all of these different people that she's interacting with, their stories 
are the heart of the narrative. And she is, you know, sort of like interpreting them and sort of not as far as I can tell from the description. It sounds super fascinating. And I just love the whole concept of this novel. So I think, yeah, like people telling their stories to sort of relative strangers, which especially in that first Before Sunrise movie is what's happening. I think it it is definitely uh, in the same wheelhouse. So again, that's Outline by Rachel Cusk. Sorry about that, Jen. <laughs> Don't be sorry. I'm so <laughs> glad that you have also read it and loved it. I did love it. So I picked This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. And this is a science fiction, a queer science fiction time travel romance, maybe space opera. It's just a, so many genres. So many things are happening in this book. Um, so Red and Blue are the name of the characters, and they are time travelers. Uh, they both live in uh, different factions um, of humanity, um, one of which you get the impression is a little bit more based on like AI kind of uh, artificial intelligence, and the other is more has learned how to do like cloning and genetic and more um, kind of organic sort of things with humanity but they've all they both figured out uh, time travel and so their job as like agents of their various factions is to go what they call up up and down the braids or travel through time and manipulate events and people and things in small or very large ways in order to destroy the opposing faction and so it's super complicated but i but not confusing i was never like lost about where we were in time because it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. like you're very you're dropped in and media race like in the middle of everything that's going on And you're not given a lot of explanation of how these two societies developed or where we are in time or like there's no anchor for the narrative, but you don't need it. It becomes like you you get enough information to care about the characters and to figure out what's going on, but you don't really need much beyond that. And so what happens is that Red and Blue start leaving each other letters in the in clues as they chase each other through time and space and across the planet. And in these letters, which get longer and longer and more intimate and more vulnerable, they begin to develop a really deep relationship and eventually fall in love and have to figure out how to ever possibly make that happen for each other. Because if their factions ever find out that they have developed these relationships with or, or the feelings for each other and are communicating through these letters, they will be killed tortured killed the whole nine yards and so it's a lot of um espionage and a lot of um like political intrigue but mostly it's just their thoughts and feelings about everything that they tell each other in these letters like the most mundane the tea like there are several letters about tea and like china um and uh, vict- gardening like it's just great it's so good the somehow it somehow manages to be Really, really fast-paced, but also very slow and intimate at the same time, which is such a feat. So that's This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal Elmotar and Max Gladstone. Extremely cosine. Mm-hmm. Just all of it. All right. Mm-hmm. Our last question is from Caroline, who says, I've just finished All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traster, as recommended by one of the Book Riot podcasts. I'd love something similar. Strong single women having great lives and dealing with the judgmental parents, but with less statistics and politics than All the Single Ladies. Maybe female-led chiclet, bio of a fat businesswoman, anything to combat the, but don't you want a boyfriend? People. I'm just going to keep talking. I One day I'm going to find another recommendation for these kinds of questions, I swear. But it's really hard to find one that 
confronts the judgmentalness of other people in the same way that my pick for you does, which is All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. It is a novel. It is about a woman named Andrea who is about to turn 40. She is single. She is child-free. She is really not interested in settling down with anyone and, like, doing the family thing. She's also sort of drifting in her career life. And so people just have all kinds of, you know, advice and feelings <laughs> about what she's doing. And she she really does not care. She just doesn't care. And it's amazing. She's very sharp. She's very sort of like she can be mean, actually, uh, in certain situations. And as you follow her through the book, you know, she has affairs. She has these complicated um, friendships. She has a very difficult relationship with her brother who uh, has married. And they are that actually this is a trigger warning for um, a sick child. But they have a complicated, you know, family life. And she wanted to be an artist, but she's kind of left that alone. And can she ever get back to it? And, you know, she's just out here living her life and like just constantly sort of trying to shed the expectations that other people have for her. And it is it's just like it is what you're asking for. (laughs) So, again, that's all grown up by Jamie Attenberg. Okay, I picked Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes uh, because I was going for bio of a fab businesswoman. No one would ever tell Shonda Rhimes to get a girl. A I know, right? Never. Amazing. No one would ever. How dare you even suggest it? Um, so <laughs> if you don't know Shonda Rhimes, she is like a mega powerful woman in Hollywood. She's responsible for Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, which is the best TV show ever made. Don't at me. Um, and How to Get Away with Murder, which I haven't watched, but I think I'm going to next because apparently I want to read about I was just going to say murder. <laughs> it feels relevant. I don't know. And there's a lot of it, so I could marathon it for like, it'll occupy me till the quarantine is over, maybe. Anyway, and so like very successful woman doing her, doing the things she wants to be doing creatively, like the most, pow- I would argue the most powerful woman in television but was a little bit, like, kind of miserable. Like, not miserable in every aspect of her life, but was very shy and, like, socially awkward, didn't do well with the the um, publicity part of the job, like, had anxiety attacks before she would have to do interviews, that kind of thing. Um, and then at Thanksgiving uh, one year in 2013, I think, or 2012, her sister says something to her. She says, you know, you never say yes to anything. And that completely blows up Shonda Rhimes' whole world. And so she decides she's going to spend a year saying yes to things that are offered to her, which is revolutionary for her. So she ends up, like, doing commencement speeches at colleges. She says yes to um, a lot more intimate, like, going on trips with her friends and all of these things that she before, out of fear, would have would have definitely said no to. Um, she also is, like, just single. Like, it doesn't come up. I don't remember. I've read this book three times now. And I I don't recall there ever being a moment where she's like, oh, but I don't have a man. She's also a single mom. um, And since the book came out, she has had another child. So she has a single mom of multiple kids. Um, And it's just like doing the thing and not and just unapologetically does not need she's oprah right like oprah's got stedman but oprah is never getting married never not ever she's never gonna do it and i feel like shonda is there except without stedman like she just does not care (laughs) and it's just the best i love it so much I will say that, like, the book's gotten a bit of criticism for her having a lot of money, basically. But I don't know how she was ever going to write, like, get around that. Like, she's got a lot of money. That's just who she is. Um, And she acknowledges her privilege tons throughout the book. Like, she talks about how so much of what she's doing is possible because she can afford childcare, right? Um, And has a live-in nanny and, like, all this kind of stuff. So 
I don't know. If that's the sort of thing that bothers you, it's there, but it's not unacknowledged. So I think it's fine. Uh, so that's Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, such a good one. Ugh, such a good one. All right. And that is today's show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the nice notes you're leaving and feedback or an email or an Instagram. They're just lovely. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are so inclined, you can continue to leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It does help other people to find the show. Thank you to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And you can find us on social media in between shows. Amanda, where are you? I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. You can also find me on Instagram. I am Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And on Twitter, just as Jen IRL. And we'll talk to you next time. 